and welcome back to the HR Grapevine podcast, the podcast series that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR topics that is making the headlines. I'm Sophie Parrott, online editor at HR Grapevine, and each week I'll be joined by a different HR journalist as we explore the contemporary practice and most pressing debates in HR within a short podcast. So join me as we properly pick apart what it means to work in the people function. Today, I'm joined by Dan Cave, Head of Content at Executive Grapevine Digital Media. Welcome back, Dan. Pleasure to have you on the podcast again. Thank you, Sophie. Pleasure to be here this week. And can I say, even though I am uh, high in spirits, I am actually feeling rather tired already, just four days into the working week. It's not yet completed, which I think will dovetail with what we're going to talk about today, won't it? Yes, absolutely, it will. And I have to say, I do agree. Although it's it's nearly the weekend, I'm definitely starting to feel tired myself as well. So every year on the last full weekend of October, the clocks go back by an hour as daylight saving time comes to an end. And this year, the clocks will be winding back an hour at 2am on Sunday, the 25th of October, which means that the mornings will be slightly lighter when we wake up. But of course, darkness will fall much earlier in the evening. And I'm sure many people out there, us included, will probably be excited about the, the prospect of you know, being able to get an extra um, hour in bed or maybe some extra time to snooze your alarms, particularly when it's cold and miserable outside in the mornings um, and getting up for work can be a little bit more difficult. And this may also allow people to catch up on some well-deserved sleep. And a wealth of research really has pointed towards the importance of sleep, not just for individual health and well-being, but the positive effects that this can have in terms of workplace productivity, well-being and engagement, which is the reason for us focusing on this topic in this week's episode. But before we get started into the main body of the podcast, why is sleep so important? So sleep is, of course, important for health, but obviously, and this year has been a great example of this, or a bad example rather, Work worries, life worries, and, you know, in 2020, pandemic worries can massively impact the quality of sleep an individual can get. So obviously the clocks going back this weekend can affect sleep patterns, but it's not just the clocks going back this year that have had an impact on sleep. Lockdown and the pandemic have also had a massive impact. So with the government's tier system putting all of us under different restrictions, again, regards social and professional movements, the impact this is likely to have on sleep is something that HR needs to be aware of, as it can affect the very state that employees are either logging on to do work in the morning or coming into work if it's still an essential hub. In fact, a study this year by scientists at King's College London and Ipsos Mori found that nearly two thirds of UK adults had experienced changes to their sleep patterns as a result of lockdown in March, with 50% saying their sleep has, was a lot more disturbed than usual. So with different restrictions coming into play again and some quasi or almost full lockdowns happening, of course this is going to impact the workforce. Additional data, this time commissioned by mental health company Yumi Nutrition, revealed that almost half of British workers this year are losing up to three or sometimes even five hours of sleep a night, which is absolutely huge as a result of anxiety sparked by the pandemic. What is this over? Well, one in 10 of those losing sleep are saying that they're anxious about the prospect of maybe returning to a physical workplace. Actually, half the time that they used to spend sleeping is now spent worrying about their health. A further 20% 
are kept awake by the prospect of job insecurity, which we see is coming into effect now as furlough and job retention schemes change, and also the massive amount of redundancies that are being noted, whether you are being made redundant or not, that's going to have an impact on you because you start to feel it if not. Also, there are people worrying about their finances as a result of furlough or potential economic downturn. This leaves a question, though, with all of this impact on sleep and poor sleep and pandemic-sparked sleeplessness, why is sleep important? It wasn't that long ago that, and these posts still exist on, on LinkedIn of in, individuals boasting of their early morning routines or for going sleep to get ahead in their career or whatever endeavour it is. It wasn't that long ago that people thought sleep was merely an inconvenience and top performers basically didn't need sleep at all. Ex-Prime Minister Maggie Thatcher was renowned for sleeping only four hours a night. Well, we all now know that losing sleep and equating that to top performance isn't true. In fact, there are a wide variety of medical outlets out there that tell you that sleep is important to health as eating, drinking and breathing essentially allows our bodies to repair themselves and our brains to consolidate memories and process information. So actually sleeping could help you get ahead. Poor sleep as well is linked to physical problems such as a weak immune system and mental health problems such as anxiety or depression. So for employers in HR, if they take that one step further, employees obviously with a weak immune system or suffering with mental health ill effects are not going to be as engaged and productive, potentially even a burden on their company. So, Soph, I guess I've kind of given you a link there to discuss why should HR really be getting its teeth into the issue of sleep? Yeah, as you said, Dan, getting the right amount of sleep is really, really crucial for employee well-being um, and for minimising physical and mental health related problems. But in addition to this, a well-rested workforce can have a hugely positive impact on businesses and also prevent money from being lost due to a lack of productivity. In addition to this, some research which was published by the policy think tank Rand Europe in 2016 found that sleep deprivation is costing the UK economy as much as £40 billion a year in lost productivity. And according to researchers of the study, sleep deprivation can result in a higher mortality risk and lower productivity levels among the workforce which, when this is combined, can have a huge impact on a nation's economy. And as the stats are pointed towards, sleep-deprived workers can have a hugely negative impact on businesses, therefore showing the importance of getting a good night's sleep. And to find out more qualitatively why it is so important that staff get a proper night's rest before they go to work, I spoke to Sir Carrie Cooper, who is a professor of organisational psychology at Alliance Manchester Business School. And he was essentially explaining to me that there is a lot of research out there um, and evidence on the link between sleep, such as the quality and length of sleep and workplace performance. And he actually told me before the podcast, there is no question about how important that is. It doesn't make any difference in a day or two, but if you consistently don't get seven to nine hours sleep and you don't get quality sleep, it will adversely affect your performance as well as in the long run with your health. And on the flip side, Professor Cooper was saying to me that um, oversleeping can actually cause a problem and perhaps can indicate that someone is struggling with mental health problems or is maybe feeling a little bit depressed. So it's definitely important to have a good balance in terms of how much sleep a person is getting per night. 
And when I asked him about the factors that could be hampering workers from getting a proper night's sleep, he said that late night emailing or emailing on weekends or on annual leave could cause problems. For example, if an employee sees something that they need to do the following day and then they start thinking about it and worrying about how they may overcome the issue, then they may struggle to get off to sleep in the first place. So with that being in mind, he did say that employers and bosses should try and encourage staff to switch off when they have done their work hours. So for example, encouraging them to finish between say five and six, so they can switch off from work and can use that time in the evening to catch up with family and friends and ultimately have a good night's sleep after that. And I think that, you know, there are additional benefits in terms of productivity levels and performances if employees are turning up to work feeling refreshed. But is it as easy as just getting enough sleep? Well, this is it's a good question, Soph. So whilst we've discussed some of the understanding of why sleep is both beneficial for the individual and therefore the organisation, one of the difficulties that HR might have is getting the issue of sleep on the agenda. It might be the case that companies have a culture whereby staff still being on their computers at 10, 11 or even midnight or past that and logged on working is considered a good thing because they're working very, very hard, or at least appear to be. So the leadership might feel that sleep is also less of an important issue than other aspects of work and aren't really that interested in how their employees are doing in something that they might regard to be just part of their private life. However, I might be wrong, but I think the tide may be turning. If, and all of the evidence that we've just talked through regard sleep, if sleep could be considered part of the wellbeing agenda, and certainly some of that data above suggests so, because it falls under both the physical and mental health categories, top firms or very progressive firms will likely see sleep as something they should be encouraging their staff to take seriously too. I was lucky enough to have a conversation with Norman Pickervance, who's the ex-CHRO of Morrison's last week. And he spoke about how he sees that top performing firms increasingly see the well-being agenda, and we could consider sleep part of the well-being agenda, as actually being their business agenda. And they consider everything that fuels good well-being as being good for work and business. So if I take that a step back, if we consider sleep to be part of well-being, and well-being is now business, then of course sleep could be getting the attention from the top level hierarchies of the organisation that it obviously needs to have. HR's role here is to get their leadership team to understand that good employee well-being is good for business and they need to relate this in terms of ROI, data-led insights and business terms to the leadership. Norman obviously thinks that leaders should be increasingly receptive to this, not least because this year there has been an increased focus on well-being and health, whatever part of that that may be. Also, and I think this is why sleep could have a good chance of being on the well-being and business agenda, is that leaders, people in the C-suite directors are increasingly taking it seriously too. Earlier when you asked me, I said that I think we're past the days, or no, not completely past the days, when top business performance was linked with always being on, never sleeping, you know, start founding your startup at 4am, having your like high impact smoothie at 5am. Those days appear to be a little bit behind us. And I say this because I saw a Harvard Business Review study of CEOs, and it found that increasingly people right at the top of the organization, people you might think were the 
most stressed and who were for when to sleep the most are actually getting really good nights of sleep and they value sleep in really, really high numbers. In fact, the president and CEO of Carlsberg Group, the massive drinks manufacturer, actually said to Harvard Business Review in that study, to perform in a way that is required by my current job, I need at least seven hours of sleep every night. Of course, with intense travel and work commitments, obviously this interview took place just before the pandemic, sometimes this is compromised and when that happens, it comes with a cost. The cost is here, and these are his words, when I sleep less, I perform less. So that is someone right at the top of the business hierarchy saying bad sleep equals bad performance. Obviously, the flip and the reverse there is if you're getting your employees to sleep well and getting them to consider how good sleep is for them, then they should perform better, which is going to be, you know, that's half the battle, isn't it? So the argument that HR, of course, has to make, and I've said this just before as well, is ensuring that not only the leadership takes sleep seriously, but staff take their own sleep and well-being seriously too. Obviously, this could be a little bit of a difficult area. You have to be seen not to be overstepping the mark. You know, this is something that is a private issue. Yes, it impacts work, but you can't be seen to be forcing your employees to do certain things, merely encouraging them and giving them resources to help them understand how this could be a benefit to them too. So, Soph, I think you've got some tips for not only employees to have a good night's sleep, but for anyone in HR to have a good night's sleep too, don't you? Yes, absolutely. And like you say, it's definitely more around what HR leaders and employees can do to maybe encourage employees to feel like they have a better work-life balance and then hopefully they'll be able to switch off and get a better quality of sleep as a result. So just to share a couple of tips, recently we had a conversation with a lady in the HR team at Ella's Kitchen who was stating that company log-offs should happen at around sort of 6pm and employees shouldn't be encouraged to work late because then they can actually have that time to switch off and go to sleep when needed. Obviously, we spend a lot of time, particularly for anyone in an office type environment, you know, staring at screens and those sorts of things. So the Sleep Foundation said that limiting the overall screen time can actually improve any sleep problems that someone may be experiencing. But perhaps, as I said, for those working in sort of desk-based environments, they may find this more difficult as this is actually part of their job. So with that being the case, and what they said most importantly, the site recommended to restrict any kind of use of gadgets and those sorts of things just before going to bed. In addition to this, ensuring that you have regular sleep patterns, if possible, is also a good idea. And the NHS was actually saying on it on its website that keeping regular sleep hours will actually allow the brain and internal body clock to get used to a set routine, which may actually make it, I suppose, easier to, to drop off in the evening. But as I said, one of the most important key takeaways there is limiting that gadget time just before going to bed. And actually on the subject of tech, just wanted to give a mention to our two-day virtual event, which is coming up on the 3rd and 4th of November, which is called HR Technology 2.0, Driving People Empowerment. Throughout this two-day virtual event, we'll be joined by a plethora of technology experts, including Cornerstone, Sage, Workday, Clearview, Qualtrics and Coach Hub for six incredible sessions across the two days, um, including keynotes from senior HR leaders at Ella's Kitchen and Guinness World Records. I will also be leaving a link for the registration form down below if you are interested to, to sign up to the event. But unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content. 
whether that's our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events, or market lead and research papers. So to find out more or to sign up to our daily content newsletter, which showcases solutions and best practice answers to all of your HR issues, please visit hrgrapevine.com.